Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Tasha Radel tells us about a program that provides free dental care to Minnesota kids. I dig a little deeper into how the owner of an extreme sandbox business in Hastings is getting national attention after an appearance on the show Shark Tank. And Mike Grimm brings us on the road for the upcoming Twins Caravan. But first, will government employees who don't want to be union members still have to pay dues? That's the question before the U.S. Supreme Court in a California case that Minnesota unions are watching closely after this week's oral arguments. MNN's Bill Werner joins us. Bill, what's the issue here? Scott, the lead plaintiff, a teacher in California, argues that being forced to pay union dues violates First Amendment rights. Patrick Simmons with the National Right to Work Foundation says it's a similar argument to that in a 2014 case when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled more narrowly in the plaintiff's favor. Here you have uh, full-fledged public employees, teachers from the state of California, um, and they're saying that being forced to pay dues or fees to a union violates their First Amendment rights, um, and, uh, and they're hoping the Supreme Court will strike down uh, mandatory union dues. Uh, and we absolutely uh, think that's the, that's the right thing for uh, the court to do, that the First Amendment uh, should protect an employee uh, from being forced to pay dues. It should be their choice. Of course, uh, teachers who want to support the union uh, should be free to do so. And if the Supreme Court rules uh, in favor of Rebecca Friedrichs, they will be able to do so. Uh, but it should be a choice that each individual uh, teacher or employee gets to make. Uh, not one imposed on them by the union and uh, as a condition of working for their own government. And I'm sure you know are familiar with the union's argument against this. They are claiming that it's effectively union busting, uh, basically constricting the power of unions. uh, And how do you respond to that? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they prefer to be able to have a worker, uh, a teacher fired for not paying union dues. It makes it a lot easier for them to... uh, raise revenues. But the truth is, uh, every other uh, private organization in this country has to rely on voluntary contributions. Um, I think unions can be very effective. There are uh, effective unions in right-to-work states uh, who operate without having uh, the special government-granted power of forced union dues. So, uh, sure, they may have to be more responsive to uh, the needs of their members, um, but uh, I think if they do a good job, they'll be able to earn the support uh, and, and ultimately, that may be better for them than relying on compulsion uh, to collect uh, to collect dues money. Anything else that you want to add, Mr. Simmons? You know, in the Harris v. Quinn case in 2014, the five-member majority there uh, uh, talked about how the uh, idea that uh, workers can be forced to pay dues is an anomaly under the First Amendment. And uh, we sure hope that uh, they end that anomaly because... Uh, we, we think everyone deserves the choice when it comes to financially supporting uh, a private organization like uh, a union. That's Patrick Simmons with the National Right to Work Foundation. Among union members on the other side is Grand Rapids resident Connie Andrews, retired after 38 years with the DNR, who was an AFSCME union member since 1980. We talked with her about the California lawsuit. The argument is that an employee's First Amendment rights should dictate whether a person pays union dues. How do you feel about that? I think the union dues is beyond the First Amendment, right? We, we, we need unions to speak for us as a group against management or with management. Um, 
our power as one is is negligible, but as a group, we speak with one voice, we work together for everyone and make everyone's life better instead of one at a time begging for this and begging for that. If, in fact, the U.S. Supreme Court were to rule in favor of the plaintiffs in this case, which is, which is Ms. Friedrichs, a, a teacher out in California, um, are you afraid that it would uh, delete the, the power and influence of, um, uh, of unions in the collective bargaining process? I am. It would definitely do that. In order to, in order to bargain collectively with a strong voice, you need everyone on board as members. Uh, what this case would do would be to allow members to come and go as they pleased, and I'm not. I'm not saying you can't. You have to belong to the, as a member, and you shouldn't. I'm saying you should, but that constant need of the union then to reorganize, to re-sign members, would hamstring any kind of any kind of negotiations because we'd be constantly reorganizing. It would cause havoc. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I'm just very, very proud to be an AFSCME retiree. Um, they've done so much for me. They've allowed me to live a good life. Um, I value the time that I've spent working as a state employee, and that time has been made much more valuable to me. It's allowed me to retire comfortably. Um, I've sent kids to college. Um, I've dealt with health issues, all of the things that you need that are bargained for as a union um, were there for me because of my union. Retired DNR employee and union member Connie Andrews from Grand Rapids. Scott, we'll have to wait to see what the U.S. Supreme Court decides, and a ruling in the plaintiff's favor could significantly change the landscape for unions across the country, including in Minnesota. Thank you, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. Technology moves at the speed of innovation, and today, that's lightning fast. So when you get your hands on the latest tech, don't forget to do the right thing with your old devices. Recycle them. The Consumer Electronics Association and its members are making recycling your old tech device as easy as purchasing new ones. Just go to greenergadgets.org, type in your zip code, and you'll instantly find the responsible recycling location closest to your home. You'll also find lots of tips to simplify your recycling, like asking the store where you buy your new TV if they'll haul away your old one. Television sets, video game consoles, smartphones, tablets, they're all recyclable. Don't let them clog up your local landfill. Just visit greenergadgets.org. You're sharp enough to get the latest tech tools into your home. Now be responsible enough to get your old devices to the recycler. That's greenergadgets.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Minnesota dentists are asking for the public's help in locating children in need of free dental care during the Dental Association's annual Give Kids a Smile event next month. MN's Tasha Radel had a chance to visit with a Hibbing doctor about this year's event. Dental offices across the state are gearing up for the Minnesota Dental Association's annual Give Kids a Smile event. Nearly 2,500 volunteers are donating their time for this unique charitable event. Dental disease remains more prevalent today than childhood asthma. Nearly one in four children ages 2 to 11 years old has untreated cavities in their baby teeth. 
Joining me now is Dr. Michael Zakula, an orthodontist in Hibbing and spokesman for this year's Give Kids a Smile event. Dr. Zakula, can you tell me a little bit more about this year's event? This is actually our 14th year that we sponsored this. This It's a free dental care for children in need. Um, it typically is the first Friday and Saturday of February. So this year it will be on Friday, February 5th and Saturday, February 6th. It is for children 18 years and under. And where it will happen, we'll have over 2,500 dental professionals volunteering in over 150 uh, different dental offices and clinics across the street across the state who will provide services. And we're hoping to provide dental services for up to about 5,000 children. The most important thing this year is that it's very important to, for children to make appointments. And Tasha, I'm certain that you and many of your listeners know a family or a child that could benefit from a dental visit, but for a variety of reasons, you know, the family just hasn't been able to make that happen. So let's help them make that happen by, you know, having your listeners reach out to these children and their families and help them make an appointment. Now, everyone thinks making an appointment is tough and hard, but we're, we've made this as simple as possible this year. Uh, uh, individuals just need to simply dial 211, which will give them United Way, which will, uh, is, will be making appointments. Or for those who would rather go online, they can go to org slash G-K-A-S. So that's mindental.org, G-K-A-S, which stands for Give Kids a Smile. And that's our ultimate goal is to hopefully put a smile on many of these children's faces. Dr. Zakula, I understand you folks will be providing basic dental care on February 5th and 6th. Yes, because it's a relatively short period of time, just, you know, two separate days and were unable to, in essence, establish comprehensive care with many follow-up visits, we need to keep to the basic dental uh, restorative procedures, fillings, cleanings, fluoride treatments, and things such as that. It has to be just a wonderful feeling knowing you're helping so many kids. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind from over the years? Well, I guess, you know, like I said, I've been in, involved in this for many years and probably would, I still see one of the first years I volunteered, there was an eight-year-old little girl who came up in tears. She showed up with really dark, ugly uh, stains and cavities across the front of her teeth, and she was crying because they hurt. And after our dental team was done taking care of her needs, she left the office in less than an hour. The ugly, dark stains were gone. Her pain and sensitivity was gone. And mom came back and, and thanked the team later. She said, the most important thing you gave my daughter today was you gave her her smile back. And that is touching even to this day. After all those years, I can still see that big smiling face. The tears were gone. And that smile just kind of permeated the entire uh, operatory. So... Um, those are, are the rewards. Actually, that brings me to the next point is that the services are free. The only thing that it will cost people is to give the dentist and the dental team a big smile when they're done. 
I know we touched base on this a bit, but again, it's very important that people make an appointment ahead of time. Can we go over that information again? Yes. To make an appointment, simply dial 211, which will put you in touch with United Way, and they will make the appointment, or go online at M N D E N T A L dot org slash G-K-A-S. And it is very important that you have to make an appointment. People cannot show up just on that day and expect to be treated. Appointments need to be made ahead of time. And that's why we are working so hard. And hopefully, with your help, Tasha, we're going to fill all those chairs so there won't be any openings on Friday, February 5th or Saturday, February 6th. Thanks again for your time, Dr. Zakula, and best of luck to you February 5th and 6th during the event. Well, thank you very much, and and, uh, I appreciate you running this for us, and hopefully it it will really facilitate us getting the word out, which is so extremely important. And and, uh, the families who who need it the most, hopefully their friends and, and relatives and your listeners will all guide them to the right place. Since Give Kids a Smile began, Minnesota dentists have provided free care to more than 65,000 young children and donated services valued at more than $16 million. Again, to make an appointment, call 211 or log on to mndental.org. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. I'll be back with the full scoop on the Extreme Sandbox when Minnesota Matters returns. Son, uh, can you hand me that big screwdriver? This one, Dad? Uh, no, that's a wrench. Uh, I need the long one close to your foot. Why? Uh, because I need to loosen a screw. Why? Because I have to change the oil filter. Why? Because I love you! (laughs) The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. All right. Now pass me the new filter. Why? (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) Take time to be a dad today. For more information, dial one 877 432-3411 or visit us at www.fatherhood.gov Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org Last night we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. Woo-hoo! So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. A Minnesota man who runs a unique business out of Hastings has bulldozed his way into the national spotlight after a recent appearance on the show Shark Tank. I recently spoke with Randy Stanger about his extreme sandbox and his amazing climb to the top of the heap. So Extreme Sandbox is a heavy equipment adventure company that lets clients play on construction equipment. Uh, this is something that we've all kind of had as a bucket list dream, and we were able to make it a reality to let people all the way from 14 all the way, I think our oldest has been 92 years old, to come out and play with our construction toys. And how did you get this idea in the first place? Yeah, the funny thing is most people think I was a contractor by trade, and I never had even done that before. I'm just a big kid at heart. So what really happened is I've got three boys, and several years ago we were driving by a construction site, and my oldest was, like, uh, looking over points. Dad, wouldn't it be fun to go play on that stuff? And I'm like, heck, yeah, it would. So that was really where the idea was born, and it really just you know took about a year or two to actually get it off the ground and make it a reality. Can you tell me a little bit about that process between having the idea and making it a reality? I think a lot of folks have ideas like that, but actually following through and, and turning it into something real isn't something most of us do. How did you make that leap? Well, and that's why I tell people, playing on heavy equipment, this is not brain surgery. I'm not the first one to think of this. Uh, the idea is the easy part. The actual execution is the difficult part. And it really, the biggest hurdles for us initially were city zoning and insurance. Uh, just finding a site that would actually have, you know, let people play on construction equipment. So we had to go through a, you know, a long process to find the right city and the right site. Fortunately, Hastings, where we started here in Minnesota, has been open arms. They've been very accommodating to adjust their zoning. Um, and we've really been able to prove the concept here. And then working with our insurance provider to make sure we're a very safe attraction. Uh, we have had zero incidents. So it's been a win-win. And now we're uh, looking at expansion. And Randy, if that wasn't interesting enough, and it is, part of your story also takes you to television and the show Shark Tank. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, the Shark Tank thing was absolutely amazing. I've been a longtime fan of the show, and when that opportunity came up uh, to audition, I just thought it was the perfect time because we were just going into our third-year business, and the future for us is really making this a national brand. And I knew that to get bigger, we were going to need some capital investors or someone to really put the gasoline on the fire. So that's why Shark Tank was perfect for us. And it was a fairly lengthy process uh, to get out there, or to audition, get out there, pitch, um, and then ultimately uh, ended with us airing this week. And for folks who haven't seen the episode, uh, tell me a little bit about what you were asking for and who got involved. So I went in there asking for $150,000 for 15% of my company. Uh, and again, the primarily going on there, telling them we were going to use the money to expand and with additional locations. And ultimately, you know, I, I really, any of the Sharks would have been great partners. I would have, I think I would have loved to have any of them. They raved about the concept. They loved it. I got great feedback. And then I first got an offer from Mr. Wonderful, Kevin, uh, for $150,000 for 20%. And which I thought I was uh, close to what I asked for, so it was amazing. And then Mark Cuban actually jumped in on Kevin's offer, and so I got two of them for that same price. So it really was a uh, huge deal for my business. It's going to take us to a new level, and now I've got two of probably the most influential sharks to help really grow Extreme Sandbox into a national brand. You know, for those of us who watch the show, it's easy from uh, our couches to put ourselves in the position of being there making a pitch to those folks, but you actually did it. What was that like? Uh, surreal. I think that's the first thing. When I went out to there and got on the soundstage, you know, it's all, it's all 
filmed. It's kind of movie magic out there. But I remember walking down that iconic hallway the first time, and I'm like, oh, my God, I am on Shark Tank. You know, I've watched this, like, every week for, like, the last six years. Uh, so I think that was surreal. Obviously, the nerves got the best of me initially, just in you almost have to over-prep. It is all real. There's nothing scripted other than you have 90 seconds to you got to memorize your pitch. Um, but that's the thing. you got to memorize it because if you mess up, they don't give you a second take. So that's why you've even seen in some episodes where the, where the entrepreneur screws up. So that's why I had to focus, and I was really nervous about getting exactly right. Um, but after I started flowing with my words, everything relaxed. I mean, the reality is I, I play in a big kid's sandbox. There's nothing that I can get too upset about or get picked apart on. So once I start talking about my baby and my, and my business, it was pretty easy, and the sharks were great. Did you get a chance to see the sharks much behind the scenes and are they as they appear on TV from what you can gather? No, you really don't interact with them uh, much outside of what you see on TV. It's, it is, it's almost disappointing because you go all the way out there and you want to meet them. You want to like off stage, you know, shake their hand and talk to them. I, we went in there when we walked in, they were just going any kind of lunch break the first time when we did a walkthrough, but they were doing their own thing. And then what you see is what you get. Um, it really wasn't much more there. We didn't get to interact with them. After you shake hands, you get that kind of handshake deal, you walk out, and, and you're kind of whisked away. So, um, But it is impressive to see kind of the movie magic and all the behind-the-scenes stuff there, but there wasn't much opportunity to work to talk or work with them offstage. And, Randy, what's next for Extreme Sandbox? Right now it's expansion. We just announced the Texas location. Uh, right before we aired, we're opening a, a site down there. And we'll plan on opening that in April. It's at Tanglewood Resorts in Pottsboro, Texas, about an hour, hour and a half north of Dallas. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'd like to try it myself sometime, although I'm not terribly coordinated with big equipment like that. So, <laughs> You'd be fine. You'd be surprised. We can, uh, we've had skill sets all over the board, and they all have a blast. Well, I wish you the best of luck in the future, and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today, Randy. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me on the show. Minnesota Matters returns after this. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have held the same mirror for 13 years. I have been decorated with purple dinosaurs, baseball teams, and football helmets. I have witnessed 33 Thanksgiving dinners. And one wedding proposal. I have tiny notches marking the growth of three children. I have caused a learning disability. I am the reason that a fifth grader simply can't sit still. I am responsible for a five-year-old's rage. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over one million children. If your home is built before 1978, your family could be at risk. Let's make all kids lead-free kids. Log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LED. I am the reason a child has trouble hearing. If your walls could talk, what would they say? Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Twins organization is about to embark on one of the largest community outreach programs in all of professional sports. It's the 56th annual Twins Winter Caravan. The radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, Corey Provis, is part of the tour, and he sat down with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm to preview. Scott, the 2016 Twins Winter Caravan will hit nearly 50 communities in five states across the upper Midwest over the upcoming next two weeks. The event blankets Twins territory with players, coaches, front office personnel, 
and team broadcasters, including Provis, who's excited for next week. This one's going to be fun, Mike, because this is this will be my fifth caravan, but the first time there's some optimism about the team because the prior years, 90-plus losses, you know, the, the roster really turn over, not so much. Well, last year they win 83 games. There's a good buzz about the team, and I think we'll see that on Caravan, which begins here shortly. You have the North Dakota, northern Minnesota stretch. Uh, you, you have to enjoy getting out, and uh, fans are excited to see you all the time, and the, and the players. You get a good grasp of Twins territory. It's a slogan that you hear often, but then Caravan allows all of us a chance to really witness it firsthand. And, and as, I, as I say along the way on Caravan too, Mike, it's the only time of year where the Twins come to you. you. I mean, these fans have to brave the travel, the cost, all the mileage, you name it, to come see the team at Target Field more times than not. Well, not this time. This is the one time of year that sit back, relax. We come to you for some good uh, conversation about baseball and hopefully some optimism as well. 50-plus communities, five-plus states. Uh, when you fa You're not hitting all those, but the, the, the different traveling parties are. Um, it's an undertaking for the Twins to, to put this kind of outreach program together. I'll put it up there with any team in any sport, uh, how expansive that this caravan is. And the tradition, too, Mike, that they've been doing it every day since the early 60s. And I'm going out again with Tony Oliva, and he's been doing it just about every single year it's been around. And that's, that's always neat. And Tony shines in this kind of element. And also, I think... For others, Tyler Duffy, this will be his first time. I'm not sure if Trevor May has ever gone before, but seeing these young players witness the caravan experience and witness how big this fan base is first time, they, they don't lose that feeling. They don't lose the importance of, of the fans, of the tradition, and I think it's always a neat thing to go out and travel with, uh, with someone who's doing it for the first time. Yeah, to get that perspective, I'm not trying to suggest that Tyler Duffy stopping in Bismarck's going to make him get an out in the eighth inning this summer, but there does become an aspect where they understand kind of who they're playing for. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just going out and shaking hands with ten people either. They're going to go into ballrooms at night. There may be a thousand. There may be more. There may be several hundred it's it's and they, they ask good questions it's more than just how do you guys feel about the season uh, you know I'm always amazed at the questions that people bring up because they're curious they're knowledgeable and that's that's a testament to this fan base and that's why it never gets old for me do you uh, work on some material? You want to test any out here? You got a, a standard joke you usually use to open up uh, when you're emceeing one of these events? Sure. I mean, I use Danny all the time. One of my standard lines is, uh, especially the evening stops, you know, you go to these events, and there's oftentimes like drink tickets, and you know, maybe get one or two, and by the time we start the program, those are long gone. So my line is, who hears how to drink tickets? And the majority of the folks raise their hands. I say, good news. Dan Gladden's got the tab the rest of the night. So just head to the bar, have a great time, because Danny's picking up everybody's drink the rest of the night. Nice. Very good. That works. Let's talk about the team. You mentioned for the first time in a while there's some optimism. Uh, you know, they were playing into the final weekend with a chance to make the postseason this past year. Uh, what's your assessment of where, where this group is right now? There were two weak links that needed to be addressed this offseason. One was offense. If you just look at where the Twins ranked, Offensively, team-wise, they were near the bottom in, in just virtually all the important categories, which is saying something that they were still playing winning baseball despite those numbers. So they addressed the offense a little bit with Young-Ho Park. I don't know what he's going to bring. Uh, we all see the numbers, what he did in Korea. I don't think those are going to translate over uh, initially. I think he's going to have his struggles. But if he can bring you know, the 25 homers, 90-plus RBI is kind of what you lost with Torrey Hunter, I think you'll take it. Uh, the second weak link, which they haven't really addressed yet, I'm hoping they, there's still time, is the bullpen. Uh, the, the, the Twins' bullpen ranked dead last in strikeouts. And when you saw, even in the postseason, watching the teams, the power that other teams have, 
have and the strikeout potential other teams have. The Twins don't have that. Uh, that that's an area that I think they're, they're still trying to address. At the same time, there's some youth coming. There's some young arms coming through the system. All the attention, Mike, in recent years has been about Buxton Sano. Well, now it kind of shifts to, to the arms a bit more with Jose Barrios and then some relievers who I think are going to make an impact this season. Guys like Jake Reed, JT Chargois, uh, Nick Birdie, Mason Malatakis. These are names that people don't really know too much about yet, but I think they will because they're going to bring that power and that strikeout potential. Paul Molitor certainly uh, had changed things around. We all loved Gardy, and I think you know he's going to get a job somewhere and win some games. But what did that change mean, and what did you notice with Molitor uh, running the show last summer? The thing that I noticed with Paul, Mike, day in, day out, was how how he did not like to talk about his playing career too often. He was very careful of playing, you know, when I played that card. Or this at bat reminded me of the time that I faced so-and-so back in the 80s, early 90s. He avoided that because I think he at times made the game a tough game looked very easy, and it's not. And I think that resonated inside that clubhouse. And they saw, uh, and, and Molitor saw too, the work that the guys put in. But for Paul, it just kind of came easy at times. Not that he didn't work. He really did work at his craft. But uh, I, I was always amazed at how rare he brought that part up. And also, too, when he said something, guys listened. Uh, the, 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 there was no reason not for a young player and it didn't always come from Paul. Sometimes it came from Tory or some other veterans. But when Paul said something about strategy, about you know picking up little little tendencies within the game, guys, guys, listen. I'm not saying they didn't do that with Guardy either. But when you hear that from from Paul Molitor, his credentials, you're really going to listen. Well, the caravan starts Monday. If nothing else, it might be a little cold, but it indicates warmer weather, and the twin season's not too far. Yeah, not too far away. Spring training's just around the corner, but uh, the caravan's always the first kind of kickoff to to the next season. Enjoy it. All right, Mike. For the entire Twins winter caravan schedule, fans can log on to twinsbaseball.com. Scott? Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.